Coming up next, it's Natalie Cutler-Welsh with her show, Up Your Brave. Community, connections, holistic health, and more on RCR. Reality Check Radio. People are struggling to have conversations and connect with others that they don't completely agree with on every topic. And I think that's probably the biggest problem that we need to try and solve is how after all this division and after all the separation, do we end up bringing people together again? And what does unity really look like? New Zealand faces some pretty big issues. First one is COVID in the aftermath. There's no getting away from that. Second is racial division. It's been ginned up and it's dangerous. Another issue that maybe people haven't got their head around yet is digital currency. What form does that take? Is it programmable? Will it be used to manipulate behaviour and patterns of behaviour? Those questions need to be asked and answered. How can you have fair, open, democratic government by people who are appointed? It's a ridiculous idea. And if that idea is taken to its zenith, then this country is in real trouble because democracy, one person, one vote, where every vote is of equal value, has got to be the foundation of a modern New Zealand. What's true, what's not true, how our kids are to be educated. And, you know, I have a great fear for the future. I think we know from history where this could end up. Hello, everybody. Happy June and welcome back to the Up Your Brave show on Reality Check Radio, where it's all about confidence, connection and community and so much more. I am your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, speaker, author, human design and business coach, truth seeker and wellness warrior. And when I introduce myself, whether you're new to the show, whether you've been listening for, for weeks, I'm so intrigued on how people introduce themselves. How do you introduce yourself uh, when you meet someone new or you haven't seen someone in a while, what buzzwords do you do you use? Uh, you know, I really think that people are still apprehensive. This is what I'm seeing to be who they are, to question things that don't feel right for them, and to speak their truth. A lot of people are still apprehensive, although many more are pushing that aside and just tapping in to their intuition, to what feels right to them. And I'm really hoping that in today's episode, we will inspire you, we will empower you to do that as well. The topic we've chosen for this week is called Voicing Your Truth. And I've got three amazing guests lined up for you. They'll come at you in this order. We've got Sally Mabel. She'll be speaking about the voice of leadership. And we have David Hopper and Kim Knight together in a tandem interview on the topic of esoteric reasons for humanity's crisis. It's going to be a goodie. I'm so excited to have you joining us today. Now, as always, we are always open to feedback. We are always open to the messages that our listeners send in. So I'd love to now, just before we dive into interviews, I'd love to share with you some of the comments we've received in the past week. So thank you so much to Mary Hobbs, who writes in with regards to Sheena's interview, Sheena Malley on the keeping kids safe. We actually had two consecutive weeks on this topic. So if you missed it, definitely go back to reality check radio slash um, replays, and you can listen to that episode. Now she says, uh, both of you were excellent. Maybe Sheena should start a private correspondence school for those who want to opt out of the brainwashing indoctrination. There is right through our schools right now. 
She would be wonderful. Loved those three examples and the exercises that she gave too. Just beautiful. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much. We did get a lot of uh, feedback, both from Sheena's interview as well as Elizabeth's last week, which I describe as a little bit more nitty gritty. That one was listening discretion advised. Here's another comment. This is Libby Hooten who writes to us, Kiora Natalie, your show with Sheena Malley was incredible. I am a school guidance counselor in Northland dealing with trauma kids every day. Even before the impact of the COVID years, I would love to get in touch with Sheena and invite her to speak to our staff. Amazing. I will connect you. Um, she provides her email address. She seemed keen for us to reach out and she could so help our struggling school. Thank you, Natalie, and keep up the great work. Love hearing your Canadian accent on the waves brings back memories of Vancouver Island years. Oh, thank you so much, Libby, for writing in. Interestingly, I have been all over the world and I've barely seen any of Canada. I've never been to Vancouver. Um, so I will definitely go there one day. Uh, let's go to a few more uh, a few more messages from our lovely audience. Now, remember, if you do want to write in, you can text 2057 or you can email inbox at realitycheck.radio. Now, in one of the episodes on keeping kids safe, we started talking about role models. Like, who is a good man? I think this was actually maybe the episode with Lionel. We talked about who is um, a good role model or male role model that you had in your life. And we had a few people write in, so I'd love to share this one here um, written into us. Hello, my dad taught me hands-on experiences. I am a woman and he taught me how to garden, how to cook, how to gauge the seasons of the year and what is needed. Life skills, I guess, self-sufficiency, the basics for providing for our, our essential needs, food, water, budgeting, etc. Thank you so much for writing in. And yes, all of those skills are so critical. And I think if people are lucky enough to still have their parents around, they still have so much wisdom to share with us. It's so important to keep tapping into that and to get the stories and the skills that they have to share with us. So thank you for writing in. That's amazing to hear from you. Um, we've got somebody else writing in. Um, God and trust in God. God is an amazing listener. He always listens. Um, and you learn something new every day. Even at 87 years old, um, his, his, his dad was still learning and still gentle and taught me how to respond to others with integrity. Sorry, this is the same message continued from the previous woman. Um, my dad taught me how to respond to others with integrity and to do the right thing, no matter the cost. He modeled what he wanted to teach. Oh, thank you so much. So that was a continuation of the previous one. And now, just to wrap this up from coming in from our audience, I love this one. This is 93-year-old Tony, who got in touch with us and wrote in, let me see, it's very, let me zoom in on this so I can read it properly. Uh, Nothing electronic can beat the real thing, like reading a book to a child in bed. Show them the marvels of nature, pretty butterflies, insects, and flowers instead. A cat with kittens, a puppy chasing a stick, and a colorful bird flying in the sky. A growing child can appreciate the difference between electronics and nature by and by. Give a child more cuddles and human time to guard against electronic bombardments to their knee, to their head. Amazing. Thank you so much for writing in. 
That is Tony Coppard, 93-year-old, writing into us. I love that. So you can email in, you can text in. I've got a few more. We'll come back with a few more messages from our audience, and then we'll go straight to our next interview. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. On a new topic, a few weeks back, we talked about um, forgiveness, and we also did a whole show on empowered relationships. Thank you to Libby, who writes in just thinking about the theme of forgiveness and thought how cool an idea for a show would be to invite two family members who were opposite ends of the mandate spectrum who fell out but regained the relationship to speak and share their story would make for great listening and could help so many others to bridge their own family gaps. Just an idea. Well, Libby, thank you so much. I love your idea. If there is anyone listening who is in that boat where you had opposite views on mandates or various things around that, um, but now you've come to a, a good point, we're more than happy. We would love to hear two of you on the show together um, discussing that. And on that note, my husband and I went along to the weekend to remember. If you listen to the episode with Vaynan on the Empowered Relationships segment, he talked about this weekend well, retreat. Well, it's really a weekend conference. There were 70 couples, like seven zero couples. And it was awesome. It was very non-confrontational. It was like sitting in the audience, listening to really cool stories and thought-provoking questions, having a workbook to work through and kind of fill in the blanks. But no one was put on the spot. There was no awkward, like turn to your neighbor and discuss things moments. So that was really, really awesome and very helpful for us to just to take some time away from the, the kids and to focus back on nurturing ourselves um, and our marriage because, yeah, we're definitely in that boat of uh, different views. Um, so thank you for writing in Libby. And if anyone else is interested in that weekend to remember marriage retreat, the next one I do believe is September in Tauranga. So you can look that up um, on the Family Life website. Okay. So today we are talking about voicing your truth here on the Up Your Brave show and I would love to think that it's about creating positive impact with your voice. That is what I do. I actually coach people on speaking, presenting, business, understanding themselves, human design. But I really encourage people to express their concerns and their own views and to navigate the pushback. And that is something that, you know, a lot of us have received in the past. My upcoming guest, I'm so excited to introduce you to her. Next up, we've got Sally Mabel, and she'll be talking about the voice of leadership. Here she is. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. I'm your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, and you're listening to Reality Check Radio. Today, we're diving into the topic of creating positive impact, something I've literally been so obsessed with my entire life, and I'm so thrilled to dive into this topic. My guest today is Sally Maybell, and she is all about the voice of leadership. Welcome, Sally. Hi, Natalie. Lovely to be here. Nice to meet you. So good to have you on the show. So if you guys haven't heard of Sally, um, Sally Maybell, excuse me, let me say it correctly, is the voice of leadership specialist for the past 30 plus years. She's worked with hundreds of professionals and aspiring leaders here in New Zealand and overseas in building the essential leadership skills of vocal presence, emotional connection, and courage. She's the author of The Voice of Leadership, Six Keys to Presence, Influence, and Creative Confidence. She's also an award-winning uh, interfaith minister and a music piece 
a musical piece activist, she will reveal some common obstacles which may be preventing us from getting our messages across. I'm so excited to dive into this because I do feel like, you know, I work a lot with people around their voice and I always touch my throat. And I'm excited to hear your expertise on how the average person, not just people that are speakers and business people, but the average person can really create a positive impact and specifically with their voice. So welcome to the show, Sally. If you can kick us off giving us a little bit of backstory about how things have been for you in the past three years. Well, uh, thank you, Natalie. Thanks for that lovely introduction. And basically, gosh, you're talking 2020, it seems ages ago, but 2020, it started out where I had to cancel my overseas trip to go back and see my family back in the Philadelphia area. And I had it all planned out and I had a couple um, events I was going to lead and that was really, really disappointing. Um, So it started out that way. And then I quickly realized when we got locked down, I was terrified, you know, we were all terrified of dying. Um, When we got locked down, I thought, well, heck, I can't go out and do speeches and, you know, be be facilitating groups. What am I going to do? So I did. um, I started a voice of leadership mentoring group for women online for six months. So for six months, we met twice a month. and there was just seven women and we did the, we went through the book. Everybody got a copy of the book. And we went through the steps. So it, it ended up being a great time to practice this online stuff that I'd been wanting to do for years. Um, and then I also did something. I decided instead of being afraid, I was going to do a song a day and I was going to sing online, a sing along song a day for lockdown. And I I thought I'd do, you know, maybe 10 days, right? Who knew it was going to be, what, 40 days or something? I can't remember how many days it was. So I've got um, an interfaith song a day from lockdown. And I I took some of them down because I realized I I pushed myself to do these songs and some of them were not that great. I didn't feel good about them. So (laughs) they're not all up there, but that was quite fun. So for me, it, it really caused a spur of creativity, in that way, you know, the lockdown, it was like, damn it, I'm not going to be pushed down by this. I'm going to, you know, generate some more energy. This is going to be a creative spark for me. And I was living in a caravan during the lockdown. So I was confined to a caravan with all this online creativity. It was interesting. Um, and then what else happened? Oh, and then terrible thing. I think it was 21. That was when the loudspeakers started to come out over, you know, from the the trucks around my street saying, get your jab, free hot chocolate for the kids. Come on down. And this was all through the neighborhood. People were going down through with, with cars screaming about get your jab. And I felt like I had to kind of hide away because I wasn't going out to get my jab. Um, So that was exactly. So it was quite stressful for me. Um, and we started an online group, a support group, which again was good. And, and I think we started to find, you know, our tribe of folks who believed in freedom and believed in you know, the ability to ask questions and such. Um, so that those parts were good, but it was horrifying, Natalie. I think it was 2021 when we were kicked out of where we were living. Uh, it was so devastating. We lived there for four years and the community voted that if you weren't jabbed, you had to leave. 
um, you know, no, no, no talk, no discussion, just boom. So we were kicked out. Fortunately, I left Auckland. Um, and fortunately, I have a mother-in-law in Topo here. So we moved in with my mother-in-law a year, you know, 20, the end of 21, I think it was. Yeah. And then 2022, I thought I've got to reinvent myself. Okay. So now we've we're into the third year, right? 2022, I started a fellowship circle here in Kinlock. We called it the Kinship Circle. Cute, and cute. Um, we met twice a month. And I, and I had a couple people call me and say I was being a bad girl because I was holding meetings during the time where, you know, you weren't supposed to go out in public and such. But I rented the local hall. I ran singing classes. Ooh, bad girl. Um, but people were thrilled. The folks who were confined and couldn't get out of their house. We op- Of course, we were responsible. We opened all the doors, opened all the windows, and we sang. And it felt so good after being locked down to just liberate the voice, right? So although it was terrible and horrible and um, isolating and alienating and scary, it was also a creative spurt. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like for everyone, it was challenging in its own way. And it sounds like for you, it it, it brought out or it you you brought out that creativity in you and you brought people together which is which is so what was needed and so what is still needed now is for people to unite and reunite and there's nothing like singing I actually interviewed a singer a few weeks ago I you, you know I used to be in a band myself back in the day and there's something about singing and just expressing yourself in that way is just so freeing it's so right. that's amazing it's right. That's, um, right. that's amazing. I love Kinlock as well in Taupo. So um, let's talk about the, the vocal leadership. You're a vocal leadership specialist. What exactly does that mean? What exactly does that entail? Okay. Well, basically what it means, it, it, it's been a rebranding through the years. I started out in Boulder, Colorado um, in 1991 as the life design specialist. And then I changed it when I moved to New Zealand to the empowerment coach. And then it was, hmm, no, I think I'll free your authentic voice. Now, then I think I'll do, no, no, born to sing. So it's, there've been a lot of iterations. And then in 2000 and what was it? 2008, I was in the National Speakers Association, Professional Speakers Association of New Zealand. And we had to come up with a brand. And I thought, this is the voice of leadership. That's what I do. You know, all the, you know, and so what is it? What is it? Voice of leadership is that voice that you speak with when you feel clear, you feel confident, you feel connected, you feel passionate, you feel in your mojo. That's the voice of leadership. And does everybody have one? Everyone does have one. And it is. Um, sometimes a process to bring one's voice of leadership out because many of us have been damaged, wounded, suppressed, you know, nobody's alone. We've all had these issues growing up. No one had the perfect upbringing. And so there are lots of issues that get in the way of our voice of leadership. So that's what I do. I help people get over those issues and I help people to use their voices and to enjoy their voices and to maximize the power and impact of their voice. 
And I mean, this is, this is a generalization, but I, I just really want to ask you, you know, I'm from Canada, you're from America. I'm, you know, genetically, I'm a Kiwi, you know, you've lived here 19 years. It's like, do you feel, I feel like, I feel like in New Zealand, there are more and more people speaking up and specifically over the past three years, because we've been squeezed for whatever reason, whether it was a job or a financial or disagreeing with somebody, we, a lot of people have suddenly had the more of a sense of urgency or courage to speak up and speak their truth. Um, but I think until now, a lot of Kiwis, I don't want to generalize, but I did find they, they do want, they don't want, they don't like to rock the boat. Um, you know, and they like to just keep the peace, but I feel like something good that's come out of the last three years is people have now took, taken a stand and, and been speaking their truth a little bit more. Have you noticed that yourself? Yes. And in fact, I think you're right as an American, um, uh, it's quite funny. I feel like I started to, I had to tone myself down quite a bit when I got here and, and not in a bad way, but in a way of being a bit more considerate of the, the psychic space in terms of talking to people. Um, and I have noticed that most Kiwis were afraid to speak up, but this situation has fueled the passion and the anger the righteous anger, the good anger, the anger that is fuel for truth and for righteousness. And the folks who've been suppressed, it it, um, it brought out that, dan- you know, darn it, I'm not going to be suppressed. I've got to speak. I can't hold back anymore. There's no time. This is an urgent situation. You know, so it, it did bring up that urgency. And different issues brought it up for different people. You know, some people sat silent while their family members like me were sitting outside the restaurant because <laughs> they couldn't get in. Some people that didn't bother them, but you know, maybe when they bring in certain taxes uh, for under, under the climate change thing, or maybe when they hear like a few weeks ago, when we did my show, keeping kids safe and suddenly people hear what they're actually teaching your children in school. Okay. That will force some people who until now have kept quiet to actually rise up or to start to question things um, outside of their own mind. So that's, I think, different things for different people. That's right. And that and that fierce, I like to call it sort of the fierce mother lion that says, you're not touching my babies, you know. You know, that fierceness rises up when it's challenged. Mm. Definitely, definitely. And that was me for sure. When they started talking about the teenagers and the kids, I could not mm. hold that. Mm. Um, and I know just before we move on, I know you also have worked a lot with, I think, executives and people in the and different, you know, the health industry and IT and banking and things. Um, do you think the vocal leadership work that you do, I imagine that is for everybody. What do you think is the thing that holds people back the most from truly being able to express their true voice or the true yeah. message? Well, there's a number of things. Um one of them, the big one, which you've probably, I haven't listened to all your shows, but I imagine you've touched on this. Uh, the big one is the voice of shame. And the voice of shame says two things. Either you're not good enough, or who do you think you are, bossy britches? Who do you think? You think you're so cool? So one is trying to put down the confident, quote, arrogant person. And the one is trying to keep down the one that's not good enough. Don't dare raise your head, right? So, and then the other thing is, is people, to the way that they separate themselves from others can be either, 
you know, I'm a little bit too good for this person. I know a little bit more. Um, I really don't have time of day to talk to this person. That is what I would call arrogance. And then the shame is, oh my gosh, you know, Natalie, she's so amazing. And how dare she talk to me? You know, like um, shame where I put you way above me. And the, the voice of leadership, I say, is where I'm speaking to you as a fellow human being. You know, you're not the be brave coach and I'm not the voice of leadership specialist. You are a human being full of light as I am. And if I talk to everybody like that, there's no uh, one-upmanship and there's also no shame. So I, I aim to talk to everyone as if they're my brother and sister and they're just another being and no labels. And that helps you speak with your voice of leadership when you can just connect with folks like that. It's so common. It's a human tendency to go, oh my gosh, I'm talking to the King of England. Or, oh my gosh, it's the president. You know, that kind of thing. And to kind of put people on pedestals or to go, oh, I can't believe I'm talking to this low life, right? Um, it is a natural for us to compare ourselves in our minds. And we to, need to be just aware of that voice of judgment and put it to bay when we're speaking and we want to have an impact with someone. I love that so much. So it's, uh, yeah, right. The pedestal and then that kind of almost overqualified, like these people, I know so much more. I, I did an event a few weeks ago. And one of the things I said to the, to the audience, and, and it was an audience of just 20 people. I said, literally any one of you could be up here where I'm standing now. And because everyone in this room has amazing wisdom to share. And by the way, I don't really do hierarchy. Like I don't do like, you're my client and I'm your coach. And, you know, so I, I completely agree with you. I think we are people and everyone has wisdom to share with the world. Like I literally think to everyone listening right now, any one of you could be sitting across from me or, or on Zoom, wherever you live, sharing your wisdom, your reflections. When I say, how have the last three years been for you? you could, you've got a story to share. So I think, you know, I really love that you and I have that same philosophy. Everyone has so much wisdom and everyone has a voice. They're just not using it. How can we mm -hmm. help them to use it? How mm -hmm. can we help them to speak with more confidence and something else you talk about more presence? Yes. Well, it's funny, Natalie, my, vo my work has been shifting more into the aspect of presence. I used to do a lot of, uh, like I taught at University of Auckland, public speaking, confident, dynamic presentation skills. And there was a lot of structure of how to create a keynote speech, how to create the seven steps to crafting a powerful talk. And more and more, my mentoring has got into presence because it all boils down to, you can have the best outline in the world, but if you don't have presence, so what is this nebulous thing called presence everyone's talking about? Um, presence, another word for presence is self-awareness or mindfulness, really. Um, another word for presence, you know, positive presence is charisma or enthusiasm. So how do you have more presence? One of the things that's been very powerful is working with breath. Powerful for your voice powerful for your confidence, and powerful for your presence. Presence, being aware moment to moment of your feelings, your thoughts, and other people's feelings and thoughts, your environment, your senses, being here and now, not in the future, not in the past, being right here. 
And um, so one of the things that helps you to do that is breath. And I'll just de demonstrate a little thing right now. So one of the things about breath is if you're super hyper and you're nervous before you go to speak, you want to focus on the exhale. So we'll just do now like, and often when I work with kids or teenagers, I'll say flat tire. So you go, we know that when we exhale, that stimulates what's called the parasympathetic nervous system. It calms us down. So we just want to go flat tire. And that will calm you down so that your speech is calmer. It's more grounded. It's more, you can hear my voice kind of shifted when I did that. Um, on the other hand, if you want to have more energy, say you're tired and you're depressed and you're negative and you're about to have an interview, instead of exhaling, you want to focus on your inhale. So, you know, it's a beautiful day. I'm going to inhale and fill up my lungs. Ah, you know, and, and to make, and making sound can really help bring you into presence and out of any kind of negative loop. So you could just go and big inhale and a big exhale. Ah, when I make sound like that and I'm inhaling, we know that stimulates the sympathetic nervous system, which is the energy. If you're nervous, you don't want to inhale. People hyperventilate, right? They, they can start to get like this and they can talk faster and then, then their, their speech doesn't have any gravitas or it doesn't have any kind of a groundedness, right? But if you go, and now when I speak, you can hear my voice has a lot more embodiment and not just my voice. It's not a, it's not a performance. It's actually, although it does help the listener to hear a lovely grounded voice, it helps the listener pay attention. Um, but it helps you feel more grounded and more embodied and more connected. Now, you know, so in other words, if I, if I was not breathing very well and I was just talking really fast and I was getting nervous and then I wasn't having many bets, pretty soon my voice would be squeaky. And then what would happen is it would be hard for the listener to really pay attention and they don't really wouldn't want to hear me. <laughs> So grounded presence, but the converse of deep, slow breathing, approximately, they've done some um, research in approximately six seconds to the inhale. It's pretty long and six seconds and a little slight pause and six seconds out. That pace creates a lovely, calm, centered environment. You know, if you're feeling nervous or hyper, yeah? Six seconds in, light pause, six seconds out, slight pause. So that, that's a real tip. So funny thing is, is when I work with these executives, they, they think they're calling me in because they want a promotion, because they... Um, they want to impress a sales call or they're doing a big international presentation and they think they're doing, they want to get presentation tips. They end up getting breathing tips, which is really quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And because you're right, some people get so focused on 
the structure. And I'm similar, you know, I teach people not so much keynotes, but even when I say, if you're doing a webinar or an online course, or you're being interviewed, there's four types of people in your audience. You know, there's the amiables, the analytics, et cetera, et cetera. And then I also say, you know, you want to have within that your credibility piece. You want to share a story. You want to have some data for the analytics and the audience, some facts and figures. So there's some strategy, but more than anything, you want to be yourself. And sometimes you want to slow down intentionally to really drive a point home and then intentionally pause without it feeling awkward. So there, there are some some techniques. But you're right. I find when I listen back to my show, which by the way, I do every week, I love listening to it. I love hearing the interviews again when I'm not taking notes and I'm fully present once again. And I notice that when I do my monologue, which is the stuff where I'm the parts when I'm just talking, I'm so much more calm and slower. When I'm interviewing, I get so excited. Like I bounce off the energy of my guests and I have to, because I talk so fast, I have to really make a conscious effort to speak slower in my interview than I would uh, in the one walk. Well, I'd love to give you a tip. Yes. If you'd mind. Um, uh, one Check tip, because you've got beautiful energy, you've got beautiful enthusiasm, beautiful passion, and that's all great. And since you're aware that you can tend to go fast when you get excited, one really great tech technique, not only will it slow you down, it will give you more authority, a sense of, when I say authority, that sense of really owning every word as opposed to just blah, 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 right? Um, it's called articulation. And I do these exercises. We could, we could try one really quickly. Let's do it. With the clients, I often find, especially Kiwis, they can go, hey, hey, yeah, mate, and they tend to not, and they don't really articulate much. And they kind of like, they're just kind of like, the words, they don't move with their mouth much. It kind of goes like this. So I say, what if I'm doing it now? What if you imagined that you were speaking to an audience of deaf people who needed to read your lips? If I knew that, I would over-articulate. I'm exaggerating now to make a point. You guys should see her. It's you great. Would, <laughs> you would over-exaggerate and energize your lips. It does two things. If I am energizing my lips, I want you to try this on your next show, <laughs> Natalie, if I am over-energizing my lips, it slows me down because I cannot get the words out as fast as I would if I weren't talking to an audience of hard of hearing people. But because I know you need to read my lips, I am intentionally crafting every word, right? So that can help. The other thing is for people, I've often worked, like I've worked with a couple lawyers who are really smart and smart people, accountants, lawyers, um, engineers, really smart, but they don't articulate. And so they don't get the promotion. They don't get the leadership positions because they don't have that gravitas or that sense of weightiness about their speech. So we do tongue twisters like this. Okay. Um, try one, <laughs> say three times. I'm going to challenge you. Say, say three times fast. And if you're listening at home, you can try this too. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Okay. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Oh my gosh. Red leather, yellow leather, red. That is really hard. <laughs> so the, the thing is, it's fun with kids as well, because I teach, the, you know, I've taught, I've taught at schools as well, because 
children don't learn the art of articulation. Mm. And especially, you know, they're, they're on YouTube, they're on video games. They're not working on their speech. Um, so we do things like this. Uh, let's see. She sells seashells by the seashore. The shells she sells are seashells, I'm sure. If she sells seashells by the seashore, where are the seashore shells she sells? Wow, I've never heard that extended version. Okay, so we'll just 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 for just try it with me real quick, and you'll see how it moves your lips and how different it makes you feel. I'll do it a little little bit at a time. She sells seashells. She sells seashells by the seashore. By the seashore. The shells she sells are seashells, I'm sure. The shells she sells are seashells, I'm sure. If she sells seashells by the seashore. If she sells seashells by the seashore. Where are the seashore shells she sells? (laughs) Are the seashore shells she sells. Very good. (laughs) So, I'm just showing you a fun thing, but I've got lots of tongue twisters that I do with business clients because it's a silly, fun exercise, but it really helps. The other thing you can do, and let's try this. I think this is even more powerful, is together with energizing your lips, you can empower your sense of gravitas, vision, leadership by reading inspirational poetry out loud. So I get people to pick up a poem that they love. I, I have ones that I use, and I'll show you one. One of my favorites I learned, I went to acting school when I was, oh, I was 25, and we had to memorize a poem and to say it with, um, with presence. And this one is The Journey by Mary Oliver. I'm going to recite it because I think it's so great, and I'd love people to hear it. but also. They can replay it. And if you say this poem, for me, I feel as if it embodies confidence and courage. It embodies that sense that we all, many of us went through in 2021, 20, 22 of, oh my gosh, I've got to leave the crowd. I may not be liked. I, I, I can't believe I'm leaving all these people I love. I can't believe I have to separate myself. This is so sad. And yet I must walk to the tune of the truth. And this poem encapsulates that. Let me go. And when I, I'll just say the whole thing. I usually do it line at a time when I'm doing it with an audience, but I will just do it straight through so you can get the feel. Okay. Mary Oliver, The Journey. One day you finally knew what you had to do and began. Though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice. Though the whole house began to tremble and you felt that old tug at your ankles. Mend my life, each voice cried. But you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do. Though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible, it was already late, enough, and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, 
as you left their voices behind. The stars began to shh. Ooh, sorry, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds, and there was a new voice, which you slowly recognized as your own, that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. Wow. Powerful. Yeah. So you see um, those kind of, I've I've got a whole bunch of them there, but this is not a poetry hour. (laughs) I could say more poems, but I really love the point being is that if, if you're listening at home, if you have a favorite poet or if you don't have a favorite poet, but you want to inspire yourself to be more passionate and more powerful in your speech, read a powerful poet. Um, Read some sort of inspirational speech. You can Google Yes, Would they do that as a practice, um, obviously in the prep, but also just prior to presenting or to presenting the report or the workshop or the webinar or whatever it might be? Yes. Yes. Um, Very good point. You can do it just prior to the webinar. I also recommend singing. I also recommend walking. So if I'm about to, um, here's another tip. If you're going to give a speech, okay, let's say you've been invited as a keynote speaker, always sit in the back of the room. Don't sit next to the MC because what happens is if you sit next to the MC, when they call you up and you've been sitting for an hour, You just stand up in place and you haven't been able to energize your endorphins. If you're in the back of the room and they say, ladies and gentlemen, Natalie Cutler Welsh, you can stride and breathe deeply and get your mojo going. So by the time you get up to the stage, you are fully energized, breathing, and you have been able to walk in your confident walk. I always say, act as if. So if I am walking in an energized way, um, when I get up to speak, speak rather, I will be much more passionate and on purpose. Okay. So I always tell people, a lot of the clients, I say, look, before a big meeting or a presentation or a sales call, go into the loo and do your breathing. If you can be somewhere private, like in your car, sing, um, Go walk around the block as if you are the most confident person on earth because fake it till you make it. You've probably said a lot of these things yourself, I imagine. I say Um, believe until you achieve. What do you say? Believe until you achieve. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. That's better than fake it till you make it. (laughs) Um, But I'm a real big believer in Tassawari. Have you heard of that concept? No. Tassawari is a Sufi word. And it means step into the shoes of. So if you have somebody that you revere as somebody who's super confident and super brave and who has a really lovely voice and and you think, oh, gosh, I really would love to have that kind of presence. You act as if 
you step step into it's an acting exercise as well and it's a sufi spiritual practice to act as if you are moving with the legs of that person you are speaking with the words of that person you are um you are looking with the eyes of that person you're acting as if you are that enlightened being you are acting as if you are the most you know you know the um powerful in charge ceo and it's not faking it it's tasawari so you're taking on through empathy and this is what actors do all the time you you take on through empathizing with that character um what must it feel like to be that person what must it have felt like to stand up and give that speech gosh that person's brave what what if i walked like them what if i talked like them what if i moved like them not being fake it's not saying don't be yourself but it's saying we are all connected we have all aspects within us you know you're talking about the amiable i believe we've got all the types but we obviously have dominant tendencies we can through empathy get into all of the types and um and feel as if and again that's one other tip you know when you're speaking to somebody if you know what type of personality they are get into their body what you know how would they speak i have often you know when i'm talking to an introverted person i sometimes have blasted them with my enthusiasm and that's not necessarily <laughs> best way. I can be like this with you because I know you're also an enthusiastic person, right? So you just I am. I am the, one of the other types I call it the expressives. So the expressives, the drivers, they're like, "Yep, yep, what's your point?" you know. The expressives, they love to talk, they smile at you from the audience. They're they're basically cheering you on with their their body language. The analytics who want the facts and the figures, they're like, "Show me the data." Um and the and the analytics amiables expressives and drivers yep that's the four types of people in the audience but you're right i'm an i'm actually an expressive driver so i am also a person that's like yep yep give me some strategies so i love that you're giving us these practical examples and per, by the way audience that are listening i would love to hear from you um if you can apply any of these techniques either the flat tire technique that Sally mentioned or maybe reading some motivational some poetry to yourself before you go and have a give a report or a presentation or a meeting you can text us in 2057 let us know how you go um to really express yourself with your own vocal leadership sally i would love to hear from you a little bit more about your book congratulations writing a book is it it's a big it's a big undertaking and what i love is the way that you actually in lockdown how you said you worked with these women or these people for 6 months what a great idea walking them through your book that's such a brilliant um way to really empower people and bring people together. So what are the six keys that you mention? I don't know if you have time for all six, but let us know at least three of them that you mention in your book. Sure. I won't get into the detail of them. I'll just say um as part of making the book readable, The Voice of Leadership, I made all of the six keys start with V. Mm-hmm. So chapter 1 is voice. Chapter 2 is vision. Chapter 3 is values getting clear on those values chapter 4 is vitality you got to be healthy and happy chapter 5 is visibility which i know you're very good at and chapter 6 is veneration 
Ooh. Veneration. I know people go, what's that? I, I had to make it because it was a V. Veneration is treating yourself and others with deep respect and reverence. Um, it's often used, you know, in, in a spiritual context as we venerate saints, you know, venerate, but it's treating yourself and others as deeply worthy of respect, honor, and um, care. So those are the six keys. And what I do, basically the way the book works is that it's kind of like a workbook where there's a bit of a chapter on my story about how I came to learn these things. Because as you know, you've got, you teach what you need to learn. Um, so there's a bit of a story. Then I have practical, I'm really into those. I'm like you, driver, expressor. I'm really into the practical exercises. So each chapter has practical exercises to strengthen that um, that quality. And I also have a um, free self-assessment, voice of leadership self-assessment on my website that people can go in and answer 30 questions to see and rate themselves to see how they are doing on these six keys. Oh, I love, I love that kind of thing. Yeah. I love little quizzes like that. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that's, that's amazing. I'd love to ask you, I will ask you in a minute about how they can connect, connect with you, but if they do want to do that quiz thing, um, where can they find that? Okay, so my website is is basically my name, Sally Mabel. That's S A L L Y M A B E L L E dot com. SallyMabel dot com. And if they scroll down the homepage, they'll see free self assessment. Um, and there's podcasts and other little tips and things like that. Yep. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Well, I'm coming to the part where I'm going to ask you some questions that I ask all of my guests. Number one is the up your brave question. And I love um, those of you that are listening today. I would love you to think of this for yourself as well. Okay. So the question is, what is one thing that you have done, achieved, or navigated through in the past year where you truly upped your brave? Okay. What comes to mind was proceeding with my voice class in the public hall while most people were hauled up afraid in their houses and it was mask free with doors open and windows open we're responsible but i led a mask free singing class in public and i had some phone calls from the neighbors who were not happy with me one lady called me and um said she was going to sign up but now that she found out that i'm not requiring vaccine passes. She's not coming and she can't believe that I would not. Um, I said, no, I am not. I am inclusive. Everyone is welcome. And they didn't like that. So that was quite brave of me to, as a new person in Topo, to lead a class. You really made somebody, me yeah. So that was probably my thing that stands out. That's great. I love that. Um, okay. And the next one is the bucket list. So what is one thing on your bucket list, which is something you want to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that possibly the RCR wider community can help you with? Oh, gosh. Well, gosh. One thing we haven't spoken about is I am a leader of the Dances of Universal Peace. And one of my, you know, my bucket list is to lead these dances with multicultural audiences, because many of the folks who come to these dances of universal peace retreats and events are, you know, uh, what should I say? 
it's not particularly multi-ethnic, put it that way. Um, but I am going to an Indian festival and I'm going to leave them at the Indian festival with many people from India. So that'll be good. So I, one of my dreams is to have a multi, I, I'm seeing a sort of multicultural groups come together, singing, laughing, sharing, eating together, dancing, um, and not have it be just, you know, the Pakiha, middle-class Pakiha folks or just the folks of one religion or one group. But I really, um, I really envision a whole world, you know, of uh, love, harmony, and beauty. That's my idealist minister self-speaking. I love that. So you want to make that happen? Yeah. It's funny because, you know, before we clicked record, I said to you, do you know what type of human design type you are, energy type? And you said, you're not sure. But I said, I think you're a manifesting generator. The more I get to know you, especially this multi-passionate, you know, it's not so much pots on the boil. It's multi-passionate projects and the power to reinvent yourself. We got to check afterwards. I think you are. Yeah. (laughs) That's so awesome. Okay. So my next question is what's coming up for you in the next few months that that be good for us to know about and how can we connect with you you've mentioned your website maybe you're also on on linkedin or instagram or something as well yes thank you i am sally mabel on linkedin uh also i am topo uu the fellowship is topo uu which is big two big us.com topo uu.com um some things coming up all right june I'm very excited. Uh, June 24th at winter solstice, I'm collaborating with Alice C. I don't know if you know Alice C, but she's a beautiful singer, musician. And we're going to be offering something in Mount Monganui, June 24th for the winter solstice with dances and song and community potluck and such. So that's happening. Um, June 19th, it's going to be winter solstice gathering in Topo. Um, and that you can see the details at topouu.com. And then let's see what else I've got. Oh, and the July 21st, I'm actually going to the States. Anybody want to come to the States with an escape the New Zealand winter? I'm offering a retreat. It's called Summer's Harvest Retreat. It'll be depth of winter here. It'll be high summer there. Um, and it's a weekend retreat on 57 wood, wooded acres um, with song and dance and voice empowerment and community. It's going to be wonderful. That's 21st of July. And then if you're into this, um, if you're into that, share my same vision, the 12th to the 18th of January in Topo at the Tohara Retreat Center will be a Dance of Universal Peace camp with a particularly wonderful international leader coming. And there's about 180 of us gather um, with their, there's workshops and there's um, opportunity for you to share your skills as well as to engage in these large circle um, dances, which are really moving meditations to increase your presence and your joy and your creative confidence. I think the timing for that is so divine, meaning I do feel like people are ready to not just work hard nine to five, whatever, and have the weekend off. They, it's, they're coming into their bodies more. They're expressing their voice more and moving their bodies um, singing. There's nothing like, you know, raising their frequency. So I think these are amazing events. So people, you can find it taupouu.com. I'm actually coming to Taupo in July for school holidays. It's my dad's 80th and my sister's coming over from America. She lives in America with her four kids and her husband. They're coming over. First time we're going to see them in four years. Uh, My other sister's coming down from Tauranga. It's going to be awesome. So maybe you and I will get to meet IRL in real life. 
I would love to meet you in real life. That would be fabulous. Yes. Let's arrange it. All right. Hey, before we wrap things up, Sally, is there anything else that you'd love to share with our audience today? Oh, golly. So much, but. Hmm. I think I will just leave you with one short little poem, tiny little poem by Derek Walcott, Jamaican poet. The time will come when with elation, you will greet yourself arriving at your own door in your own mirror. And each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit here, eat. You will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself, to the stranger who has loved you all your life, whom you ignored for another, who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your own image from the mirror. Sit. Feast on your life. Ooh, thank you so much. Well, I'm excited for people to go and try some of these um, ideas and activities that you've mentioned today. Thank you so much, Sally, for joining us and sharing your wisdom. Thank you, Natalie. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for... um, for the time and for listening and look forward to meeting you. Amazing. Thanks so much, Sally. Well, there you go. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Sally as much as I did. It was amazing to connect with her. I love her energy. Um, And she talked about a few amazing things there. Just to recap, she talked about voice, vision, values, vitality, visibility, and veneration, which I, I said, I didn't know what that was. It was deep respect and being worthy. Uh, she talked also about um, energized walking to get in the zone. And you can find more about Sally because she's actually got, as she mentioned, some events coming up that you might want to tap into. You can learn more, Sally Mabel, M-A-B-E-L-L-E.com. She also has a YouTube channel with some videos. And remember, Sally currently works as a mentor. She's a mentor for leaders, especially experts aspiring to make a positive impact. And I love that because I'm all about positive impact. Her main areas of interest, of course, are leadership communication, vocal empowerment, assertiveness, conflict resolution, and creative confidence. And I do believe that our leaders in society can definitely do with a little bit of support in that area. So definitely um, get in touch with Sally. Thank you so much, Sally, for joining us. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR Reality Check Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show on Reality Check Radio. This is your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh. And today we're diving deep and we're looking big picture. And we're going to bring up some concepts that to some of our audience are new. And some of our audience will be like, oh, yeah, let's do this. Uh, We're talking today to Kim Knight and David Hopper. We're from around the world. We've got Kim in Queenstown, David in Arizona. And we're going to be talking about the esoteric reasons for Humanities Crisis. Welcome to the show, Kim and David. Hi, Natalie. So good to have you both here. This is the first trio interview that we've done, so um, it's going to be exciting. There's going to be a lot of information shared. So, hey, before we dive in, I'm going to give our listeners a little bit of backstory. So if you haven't met Kim or David before, they are the hosts of the Bigger Picture series, Kim Knight, a little bit of the background on Kim and I have known each other, I think Kim, probably for 10 years as fellow women in business. Uh, But after an abrupt and unexpected spiritual awakening in her late 20s, Kim found herself on a fast track of personal development. Simultaneously, she was searching for solutions to debilitating chronic fatigue, 
and clinical depression, which led her on a year-long pilgrimage around the world. Um, after trying hundreds of natural therapies and training in several cutting-edge healthcare modalities, she actually healed herself without drugs or supplements, yay, and has since helped hundreds of others to do the same. In recent years, her passion for health, personal, and spiritual development have merged, focusing on evolution of human consciousness, humanity's most important step if we wish to create authentic, positive change in the world. That is exactly what we're endeavoring to do. Kim, I'm so excited to share your wisdom with everyone today. Um, what I would love to do is actually go to you, Kim. I'd love to know how you and David came together. You give us a backstory, and then I will read David's bio. Thank you. Well, David and I met through the uh, Morea Federation uh, Ageless Wisdom Teachings uh, tribe, if you like. And a couple of years ago, I ran an, an online interview series on the topic of enlightenment and self-realization. And I invited David to be one of the speakers. And that was when we first worked together. And then about a year ago, I started to get inner promptings of doing this now bigger picture series. And for six months, I mulled it over and it just felt so, so big, just such a vast topic, which I'm not an expert in uh, by any means. And so I mulled on it for about six months. And then finally, I realized, you know, I need an expert in the Ageless Wisdom teachings, which are a particular body of teachings, which I'm sure David will explain more during the interview. And I, I've been studying these teachings myself since 2003, so that's 20 years now. And I'd say I have a, an approximate foundation of what they're about, but they're vast, vast teachings. And so I finally thought, well, realized, you know, I need some help here. So I reached out to David and said, would you like to co-create this program? And he said, yes, and I'm very grateful. And uh, six months later, we launched it. And, you know, it's all about divine timing, isn't it? People that come into your life or people that um, have the wisdom that, that we are craving and that we want to, and the world is ready for it, finally. <laughs> it is divine timing, and I feel that's why it did delay. We, it took a long time to get off the ground, but I can see that it was divine timing. Agreed. David, we are going to give you a chance to talk, but first I'm just going to give our listeners a little bit of background. David Hopper. David has been a student of esoteric for 40 years. He's given numerous presentations in the USA and Russia and is a regular speaker at the University of the Seven Rays. He completed his Arcane School Studies with the Lucius Trust in 2009 and is the faculty of the Morea Foundation, Mor Moria, Mor you can Moria, the name. person's name, yeah. Federation School of Esotericism. David has written three books um, on esotericism, meditation, and the wisdom teachings. And he lives in Houston, Texas, um, and is the Ageless Wisdom Teachings expert for the Bigger Picture series. Welcome, David. Thank you for, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> well, I'm really going to hand over to both of you. Um, get before we, well, not just before we dive in, we are diving in. What exactly do we mean by the word esoteric? And have I said it correctly? I'll let you answer that, David. Uh, yes, you pronounced it correctly. Um, esoteric is a, uh, it's another word like the word occult. Uh, basically, that's an older term, but the more current term is uh, esoteric, and it really means secret. It really means hidden. Um, it means um, something that is not quite obvious or known. 
And so what we're talking about is subjective things like your feelings and your emotions, your thoughts. Like when we say thinking out of the box, well, guess what? You're working in a in an environment where it has subjective answers to it. And uh, this is the teachings of esoteric teachings are basically generated from uh, people, uh, people in history like uh, like the Buddha, like the Christ, uh, all the great sages, all the great teachers, the spiritual teachers. These are all people who were esotericists. Esotericism or esoteric is a term we've been really using in the last uh, probably the last 40 plus 50 years, maybe. If you studied certain teachings, then the term esoteric goes back over about 130 or 40 years. But uh, it basically is a, it's a relatively contemporary term for the public, that is. But it's referring to hidden teachings that are now, that are now known. Well, known and not known. I feel like there are many hidden teachings and hidden things that we just haven't been privy to. And slowly, um, the veil is lifting. People might have heard that term. People may also have heard the term, you know, the Great Awakening. Um, so I'm going to hand to you, Kim. What is, like, just give us a little bit more about this. Like, humanity's in the, this crisis. And today we're talking about the esoteric reasons, meaning the true, unrevealed until now, reasons for humanity's crisis. What are some of those reasons? Oh, boy, there's a lot of reasons. Um so when when I when I was putting this program together, first of all, over the last couple of years, and I think this has happened to a lot of people like ourselves, is that we've started to piece together the bigger picture of what is going on just on a physical plane reality. In other words, what is going on in our world, uh, and the connection between, for example, politics, banking, agriculture climate change, you know, there are many different areas or segments of, of life, you know, industries, whatever you want to call it. Big food is another one. Uh, big tech. Uh, that There's a lot that's been going on that most people have not really been aware of, including myself. And in the last couple of years, um, somehow or other, a lot of information crossed my path, which really opened my eyes to joining the dots between oh my goodness, there's, there's actually something going on uh, that is unseen. It is esoteric in a way, but not in a particularly good way. There is something going on beneath the surface that is only really now becoming more apparent. A big farmer would be another one. Uh, and, and, and leading us in a not too good direction, a not very healthy or beneficial direction. But then if we, I, I call that the... Uh, the on the ground view, uh, like chickens pecking away on the ground, seeing seeing things from that. Uh, uh, actually, no, the, the chickens on the ground would be the people who are completely asleep, who don't really see much at all. Then you go up in a helicopter or you're a hawk in the sky and you start to piece together this bigger picture of what is going on on a physical plane reality, which are just the end results of hidden causes, of deeper unseen causes. Uh, and then you get up in a spaceship and you go up, uh, you know, above the earth and you get what's called the overview effect. And that's when you start to understand the deeper esoteric reasons on a, on a much, much vaster scale of time. And this is where we have to go, you know, into eons of time, millions of years uh, to see why what is happening precisely now 
is happening. And this will be, and I'll hand over to David in a moment to, to explain a bit more, but we're in a huge transition from the, the, the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius. We're in a rheological transition from the sixth to the seventh ray. And there are other uh, reasons too, but I'll, I'll, I'll pass it over to David to continue. Oh boy. <laughs> well, she, she said a mouthful there with some of the words she threw out there. But uh, <clears throat> basically continuing on the concept of esotericism or esoteric, we're talking about the study of energies and forces. My very thoughts are energy, and the fact that I'm pushing them out there is a form of a force. And so if we think on this level, every single human being that is thinking, 8 billion people in incarnation right now are, are doing this right now. 99% of them or a majority of them are not conscious of this activity. They're not conscious of the fact they have a soul. For lack of a better term, it's you close your eyes and you go into meditation if you know how to do that and you connect with that uh, place in your head, uh, not your feet, not your, not your heart. Your heart in your, in your head, in your mind is where love is. It's also where the mind and thinking is too. And it's also the place where you make contact with your soul. And why is that important? Because that is our spiritual essence. That's our spiritual home. And it's like, this is the, this is the great teachings of all the mystics and the great, the Christ and the Buddha, all going back uh, thousands of years. And these teachings go back to ancient Egypt. We can trace the teachings back to ancient civilizations, such as Atlantis. Uh, even though there's no archaeological evidence, there's plenty of information intuitively that is knowledge that it comes through people. So um, as far as, um, what else am I talking about here? As far as purpose is concerned, our purpose is to connect with other great spiritual beings who have left, who have left their bodies and like the Christ and the Buddha, they were human beings and had pain and sorrows and difficulties and they liberated themselves and they raised their consciousness up. Consciousness is a major part of this. It has to do with our awareness of who we are as human beings and also who we are not. And it's also uh, just tuning into all the different energies that make us up and what, uh, what motivates us, what uh, draws us to do what we do. What, what is intuition? Where does telepathy come from? These are all natural faculties that exist within our beings. And the, the world that we live and know and have our being in is basically filled with the five senses and it's materialistic. And the people of materialism, the majority of the world, our education system, our, our political system, the uh, people that's on broadcast media, nothing personal. Uh, it's just simply, they don't want you to know that there is a subjective or um, uh, subjective part of ourselves, the soul, which represents a unity in consciousness. It represents oneness. It embraces people together and pulls them together in love and cooperation and goodwill and understanding and inclusiveness. Uh, and it's like this, I, 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 I could just keep going, but I mean, it's just simply, that's the essence of it right there. We have, we have purposes to discover this spiritual part of ourselves and these teachings that I work with, that Kim, Kim is working with, uh, we are, we are seeking to, help the public understand that they can connect with themselves through meditation, spiritual study, and service. It's one of the things I advocate in my books. 
but I'm not the only one. It comes from the uh, the teachings that I study also. So it's just simply learning to get in contact with this part of yourself so you too can make a difference in the world and participate from a soul level. And I think, you know, that is, a, a lot of that will be new and slightly overwhelming to some people. A lot of that will be very familiar to some people. But yes. I think what is what is very coming clear to me is that people more and more meaning more and more people, especially now, are curious and inquisitive to learn about not just what is truths that have been hidden from us, but like self-understanding, understanding who they are and why they're here and what their purpose is. So people are more curious and more open to than ever before some of the concepts that you're talking about. So I think the timing is amazing. Kim, I'll come back to you. You mentioned something about you know, um, people are wanting to understand precisely what is going on in the world right now. Um, so for those listening, and because and a lot of people would have heard the terms connecting the dots and revealing the truth, but they're still going, you're still being too elusive, Nat. Like, what do you actually mean? What are some things that you see that are going on in the world right now that you think would be great for Kiwis and people further afield to know about? That is such a huge topic. Uh, I, I, I started about two years ago uh, just watching a lot of videos of from many different people who were also connecting the dots. And I ended up compiling a library of videos of about 500 videos. And so to answer that question simply is is not so easy. Just give but, us two. <laughs> yeah, but, but what I started, I mean, you know, it's very obvious, for example, that the medical system and Big Pharma well, actually, yes, there is one ma major dot here, is that even though we know, for example, that eating junk food is unhealthy, why is it that these manufacturers, that, you know, big food, uh, are constantly churning out this junk that fills our supermarket shelves when we absolutely unequivocally know that it causes harm and they're even adding more and more uh, additives, you know, preservatives, which the same food didn't have 10 years, five years ago, uh, and now more GMO is coming. They know, they inverted commas, they know that that is harmful to people. They, it could stop at any moment and we could be filling our supermarkets with healthy food, teaching people how to grow their food, compost, etc. Why is it when, when the truth is out there, when we know what's good for us, there are a certain body of people who are steering us in the opposite direction. If you look at another another um, area is transhumanism, which is a huge big thing at the moment. I just want to jump in on the food thing, Kim. Yes. yes. Why? So the question in my mind and other listeners, I imagine, well, why why would they want to fill us with that, you know, chemicals and pesticides, preservatives and crap? Why? Yes. To, well, this is only my personal opinion, right? My personal conclusion is to keep us sick, to keep us dumbed down. And this is part and parcel in the bigger picture scheme of things, which because there were a couple of things that I forgot to say before, is that on the journey, we're, humans are on a journey of what is called evolution and, and involution. Uh, and, and one route takes us back to spirit and the other one takes us more down into materialism, which is matter, uh, which is manifested form. And so as we move more and more into matter uh, and materialism, we get more materialistic and, and we can sort of lose ourselves if we don't find ourselves and turn ourselves around again. And there's also an, an incredible amount of history 
that has been completely hidden and suppressed from humanity. So that's another area, you know, history. Um, most people have no idea that we've been around for millions of years. We are taught in school hum humans have been on the earth for 6,000 years. It is utterly ridiculous uh, when, when, you, when you learn this true, what is called hidden history of humanity and see the much, much bigger picture of how previous civilizations have come and gone. For example, Lemuria and Atlantis, which originally 20 years ago, when I heard those, those words, I'd just seen them in movies and I thought they were something, you know, in fantasy. Well, actually, they were previous what are called root races or civilizations of humans, and they destroyed themselves through doing exactly where we're, the point that we're getting to now, by moving away from nature, being getting to such a state of separatism and disconnection, uh, and, and the transhumanism movement is really moving towards that now, that they ended up destroying themselves. So... That's just a little bit that I could I, say. I mean, I appreciate there is so much here that we could discuss. Like we could literally spend a whole show talking about the hidden history of humanity, right? Yes, yes. Um, but and what another... I'm hoping we're doing is raising the consciousness, you know, bringing some things to people's awareness that they either have never heard of before or they've heard of, but they thought it was all like a bunch of hoo-ha. So kind of bringing them to, to people's attention. Um, do you want to say a little bit more about the transhumanism? Because I interrupted you I can't, I, with the food question. Sure. Um, so again, I, I really only know uh, a smattering of this topic. Uh, but from what I've seen, for example, Elon Musk is producing uh, chips that can be put in people's brains to help them super, you know, to, to create superpowers where actually the truth is the superpowers superpowers are already inside of us, but they're not going to be accessed until we do our spiritual work. And it takes work to do that. It takes effort. Um, then, you know, all sorts of things that they're wanting to put in the body, genetic engineering, uh, you know, and we know that mRNA technology, just the science that is going on of, of uh, wanting to merge. Some people are literally wanting to merge human with, with tech. Uh, meta, you know, another thing is the metaverse. I mean, literally right now, there are people with goggles on living in, a, in the metaverse, you know, buying um, property and land in the metaverse, people wanting to live in the metaverse. I can't think of anything worse. Myself. Okay, well, I, I'm going to have to go more on that because I don't really know. I've heard of the metaverse, but I'm just thinking, obviously, <laughs> movies and things. I want to come back to metaverse, but I'm first I'm going to go. I'm going to, David, I haven't forgotten about you. Um, I'm going to go back to transhumanism because, you know, even a few years ago, let's say six years ago, and I did a post on Facebook about how I did not like the UE boom. And I did, I did not like the Siri, you know, how you can ask Siri to like, whatever, turn the music down or whatever it is. I don't, the Google home, I don't like the idea of that. And I was very cautious about it. And people are like, oh, you're paranoid. I don't like that. And then of course the smart watches, which again, I haven't worn a watch since 2003 and I don't plan to, but then some people, including people that I know quite well say, think, well, what's really the difference between having a smart watch, which measures your heart rate and etc., versus like a chip in your wrist that would actually be convenient. And I'm like, no, this is not a good idea. This is a slippery slope. Is that what you're talking about with transhumanism? Yes, I think it's a very slippery slope, uh, wanting to merge, you know, humans with technology. If, if you see, I mean, the big rage at the moment is chat GBT. 
And with this AI technology where you don't have to think anymore and it will produce whatever content you want to produce, well, that is that is not letting your brain do the job that it was designed to do, which is to be creative. And creative is actually a, a high aspect of our spiritual selves. And so coming back to, you know, well, why is this all happening? Well, there are certain, you know, people in the world who are wanting to cut us off from our spiritual uh, spirituality, our spiritual nature, our true nature. And interestingly enough, Steiner, who was a very, very visionary man uh, back in the ni- 1900s, um, many people will have heard of him, you know, Rudolf Steiner Schools. Yes. Uh, he he said that, in, and this he wrote this in 1910 or 14 or something like that. He said, um, the, the soul of man will be eliminated through vaccines. And I was like, whoa, you know, when I read that. And, and and I did a little bit of study on Steiner when I was at film school. And I did a documentary on him, which unfortunately I don't have anymore. But he was a very interesting man. So, uh, yeah, I mean, as you say, we could spend a whole show just talking about transhumanism. And I'm not an expert on it, but from just what I have seen. And uh, in, in, in the um, series that we're doing, we have a, a, a video reference library of all sorts of videos with, with this sort of information. Because I'll be honest, I'll watch a video, I'll get a sense and an understanding, but then I won't remember all the content because I've just seen, I've just watched too much stuff. Um, so I'm sorry if I can't be more specific. No, it's great. We're just piquing at people's interests. And a lot of people will think, well, why haven't I heard about this? You know, why is this? Well, because it's Mm. hidden. That's the point. David, I'm going to go to you. What is, so we're talking about humanity, but like, what is our purpose here? You know, and and what are, what are we as human beings? What are we here for? What is our purpose? Our purpose is to uh, recognize who we truly are. So we, we need to ask the question who I need to ask the question, who am I? And who are you, et cetera? Um, we are souls. We are souls and body. And this body that we have is only, uh, there's a term called an automaton. Basically, it's like a robot. The, I, tell this, I tell this body to say, move the hand or use my vocal cords to speak or to see this or to eat that. Well, these are all physical plane activities. And so I tell it to do that. Uh, there's also the concept of people that want to take the gun and do uh, horrible things to other people. Um, there's people that uh, go online and they they, they uh, use their keyboard and their intelligence. Their intelligence they use to steal money from other people. So this is this is all this is all part of our God-given faculties, which are being highly misused. And if you tune into a soul understanding, which is our natural state of being, natural. Um, we're not taught this at birth. We're taught to be in conflict. We're taught to be competitive. We're taught to grow up and uh, and to uh, fight for things and to uh, how should I say be um, be in a competitive world. You know, basically you have to look for a college degree, go to college, get successful, get money, materialism, et cetera, et cetera. So it has nothing to do with character building, or it has little to do with character building. Uh, it has to do with uh, all these things around materialism, and that's not who we are. That's that's only the physical plane environment. We can there's there's a uh, a particular uh, graphic or diagram that I'm thinking of in my mind, which basically talks about something called the cosmic physical plane, where we live and move and have our being. And there's different levels of density, and we live in the most dense part. Our our physical form is dense. Our emotions have another density than going up, and then the thoughts, and then the getting higher. And when we get higher toward our spirit. 
our soul is basically the agent of our spirit, if we can use that term, but it basically allows us to get intuitive, get into our natural reasoning self. So where we're not, we're not, we're not working in a state of abusing ethics. We are, we are accountable. We're transparent because we're naturally trusting each other at that level. Uh, the heart is open. We are loving each other. We are not hating. We are not separate. We do not divide and conquer like your Machiavellian teaching from the, what do you call the Renaissance, Middle Ages, whatever, um, which is still very, very current to this very moment. And so this, this is a major concept of understanding purpose is to teach us uh, that the wisdom teachings, the teachings of the ageless wisdom, the wisdom teachings, etc., cetera, uh, go back thousands of years. And they teach us that we are one already in pure spirit in our natural state, but yet we're, we're taught to be separate and competitive and, you know, doing all sorts of abusive things to the environment and uh, you know, to each other, et cetera. You know, that's, that's obvious, but uh, it's, it's learning to be inclusive and uh, understanding and accepting each other. And this is part of the teachings that we are working with here. Exactly. And I think, you know, one of the things Kim mentioned is it's almost like we as humans are being dumbed down. And then what you're also saying is we're being stirred up with the the division, the divisiveness, the trying to pit one person against another. And But we're actually, what I'm hearing from you is we're naturally designed more to be in flow and not so much feuding and fighting that's with right. each other. Um, and so I think if we can get our heads around that, and we as a society in New Zealand and beyond, can be more in unity, loving, understanding, and more of that positive energy instead of the negative, the negative one. Um, well, Kim, I'm going to come back to you with this transhumanism thing. I know you've got a definition you're going to read out for us. Uh, but some people will be thinking, but there's pros and cons, like there's some great things with transhumanism. So give us the definition. And if you want to just comment a little more on that, and then we'll move on to a slightly different topic. Yes, well, I, I thought this was a really good definition, which I came across through a, a, a great website um, called veilofreality.com. And actually, he was quoting another lady called Lisa Renee, and this was written in 2015. Transhumanism is an international, cultural and intellectual movement with an eventual goal of fundamentally transforming the human condition by making available technologies that greatly enhance human intellectual, physical and psychological capacities. Many transhumanists believe in the compatibility between the human mind and, comp and computer hardware, with the implication that human consciousness can be transferred to alternative media known as mind uploading. Since the science of the soul and the consciousness functions uh, and the consciousness are functions of the spiritual bodies, I'm not sure I'm not sure if I'm reading that right, have not yet been discovered by scientists. This has been this has potentially extremely destructive consequences to human consciousness and the electromagnetic functions of the light body. So I could read a lot more than that, but people can can look that up. It's an article by Lisa Rene, R E N double E. Um yeah. Sorry, my phone's ringing. Let's go turn it off. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead, David. Okay, yeah. Well, well, Kim is absolutely right. Uh, the fact that it, uh, it's a it's a science. It's a wonderful science, and we we have to understand that science is completely neutral. Okay, it has to do with now. What am I going to do with this new invention that I have or this new discovery? And it's like so. Or I'm going. Is am I going to help humanity with it? Am I going to make myself wealthy and rich? Or, or am I going to go abuse people? 
And certainly we like the Star Wars weapon, for example, was uh, highly abused um, or it's probably up in space there. You know, we don't even we don't even know because it's a classified uh, document, classified information and technology. But transhumanism is another thing, too, which is out in the public. And it's absolutely correct that it, uh, it can enhance human faculties. It can make life a lot easier. Uh, but it's at the same time, we're not ready for this yet because our wisdom and our level of ethics is not there yet to be able to use it wisely. Uh, you know, and, and, who, and then who can say whether it's wise or not? We don't have even the people to even do that because we can't trust the people in government. Uh, the psychologists, they'll be hired by the government because they speak a certain language that they want to hear and they'll, they'll want to be they'll want to be mouthing the words. So the, the, the correct words so the, so the public will hear that and be uh, be controlled that way. I believe there is a certain control level going on here, but I believe also there's the fantastic opportunity that transhumanism or artificial intelligence, we should say AI is that so people can understand that, um, that it is uh, it's another form of industrialization. It just continues that whole that whole scheme going on. And as we saw with industrial industrialization starting in the 1830s, um, you know, it, uh, it got into all sorts of levels of, you know, expanding society around the world. It changed history, literally. And then it also comes now full, full, full circle with people questioning its uh, viability and its ethics. And it's, uh, is it transparent? Are the people that are doing this, are they transparent? Are they accountable? Um, you know, I, I could say more on that, but it's like, that's, I think that's pretty well uh, the, the essence of it. But I, I, yeah, and if I could just add, I think what is so important to understand is that as we develop spiritually through doing spiritual practices, meditation, whatever it is we we choose to do, our consciousness evolves to a higher and higher level, and we develop more wisdom. So the goal of of, of our spiritual practices is actually wisdom, uh, and. And actually, and and this is what I've heard from people who are at a much higher level of you know of of consciousness than myself, and in particular my Qigong teacher, who is at a very high level uh, of consciousness, is that all people who reach, for example, what is called the uh, uh, self enlightenment, which is just a rung on the ladder of self realization, say that as you reach a, a, a specific uh, rung of that ladder, which is typically called enlightenment one's whole life changes and one starts to have so-called special abilities or superhuman powers, but it is done in through a natural progression of, of cultivating oneself rather than having to use technology. Or, I, use, or using technology as a crutch and denying that spiritual self who we truly are. That's that's what that's the, the we are we are in a generation where we are conscious of our own consciousness, if we could but see that. And that is the major message to get out there to humanity. And what do you do with this information? This is what we need teachers to help guide that. We are conscious of our own consciousness. And something I've said many times on my show is we are more powerful than we realize. Now, I'm not the only person to say that phrase. It's quite a common one. And that's part of what you're saying is we are more powerful than we realize. We we just haven't tapped in to so much of what we are capable of. And so what I'm hearing also for me personally, I would love it if people would focus more on emotional intelligence and less on artificial intelligence, meaning I feel like the emotional under intelligence, the EQ, what it's known as, um, different from IQ, is, is so critical 
as part of our own journey, um, to, you know, of enlightenment, as you call yeah, it. But um, whereas the focus is just jumping ahead to this artificial intelligence, which is almost slowing down our capability to be creative and tap into our own superpowers. Yeah, yeah well, I've, I've had, uh, can I just say something first, David, because you'll probably go a bit more esoteric. Um, but but for 20, oh, 30 years now, I've been really focusing on emotional intelligence because I had to. That was a key part of healing myself from, from chronic illness. And interestingly enough, on this purification process that we go through in order to cultivate ourselves, we need to purify our physical body, our emotional body, and, and our mind. And, and we're beginners at the moment in terms of emotional intelligence people don't know how to manage their emotions they don't understand them uh and they 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 run you know their emotions they let themselves be run away with their emotions and is a key part of our development to actually get to a point of emotional what i call emotional mastery mm -hmm. and that is no easy task um what did you want to add david uh yes in I completely agree with what kim just said and it's also in the spiritual teachings when you get into meditation, you get going a number of uh, weeks, months, years into it, and you get deep into connecting with yourself. You're basically learning the concept about energy and force, as I mentioned before, but you're also learning about reactivity versus responding to something. I, I react to somebody because, oh, they got angry and I got angry back. And that's just a knee jerk reaction, right? Well, there is the intelligence, the higher intelligence, not necessarily intellectual or academic intelligence. It's just simply emotional intelligence that says, let me respond to this, or how do I respond to this? Or should I respond to this? And when you get deeper into meditation and understanding, your intuition will help guide you. You get into a space of pure reasoning where you're, you're thinking clearly and you're not controlled by your uh, lower emotions of uh, knee-jerk reactions of hate and separatism and I'm going to get you and take advantage of you and this type of stuff, you know? So that, yeah, reminds and me, also that reminds me so nicely for the people listening. If you haven't listened to some of our replays, we did one a few weeks back on the power of communication. And it also talks a little bit about reacting versus responding. So if you guys haven't seen those, you can check those out on realitycheck.radio slash replays. And by the way, we also love to hear from you. So if you're listening and you've got a question that for Kim or David, or you want to comment on your views around, you know, maybe it's um, artificial intelligence intelligence or some of the truths that we're discussing today, you can get in touch. You can text us 2057 and that'll just be charged on your normal rates of your phone. So it might be free, depends on your plan, or you can email inbox at realitycheck.radio. We always love to hear from you. Kim, I've got a question for you and that is around like, why is the understanding of this information, obviously we're covering a lot of things today, but why is the understanding of this information so key to humanity solving their problems, our problems? Well, again, this is personal through my own personal learning and experience, uh, but also it's from, well, which has come from this, the teachers that I have studied with who are very advanced, you know, relatively speaking to most of humanity. Uh, and we have to understand things from this bigger picture perspective, a from the hidden history of humanity, eons of time, transitions of time perspective, but also from the point of view that the outer world changes when our inner world changes. 
and, and we we know that from our you know people who work who are doing you know into their personal development or who maybe who've gone through a crisis and by the way crisis always precedes a big transformation and we're 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 at that point right now where we're we're on the the edge of a huge transformation uh in in consciousness collectively for humanity uh but we know that when we do what do the work individually that it makes a difference to how we feel internally but it also changes our external world and people know that they want a better world we don't want the corruption the deception the lies the chaos the suffering we know that but how do we actually get there well it comes through doing individual personal change one person at a time and then hopefully at a certain point there will be a mon- hundredth monkey syndrome and there will be a collective shift of consciousness but unless we take you know stop you know being hens pecking down on the ground or even a hawk up in the sky we've we've got to get this bigger view so that we do we we take the right action and that right action is simply although it's not so simple is taking full responsibility for everything that goes on within us especially our thoughts and our feelings and our actions and really working to purify ourselves and by the way one of the reasons we need to purify our, emo- our emotional body is that or emotional field is that the more that the soul energy flows through or the sp- you know spirit energy whatever word you want to call it flows through it heightens what isn't purified so if you've got anger and fear and sadness and hurt and betrayal and whatever it is still stuck in your energy field then it will just heighten that so we have to do this emotional clearing work but ultimately fundamental tra- change comes from each of us changing ourselves individually and it does take work and it takes consistency perseverance commitment it is not easy uh but the you know the change that we get on the other side is worth it I love everything you just said. I was making notes. Um, definitely going to share some of those with people because I think you're right. It is so one of the things you said, the outer world changes when our inner world changes. And I think you're right. Some some people are, as like I say, stuck in what I call the should zone where they're literally naming, shaming, blaming, complaining. In other words, not taking self-responsibility. Um, but the more that we can take self-responsibility I think it's a ripple effect. So thank you for highlighting that. It's so easy to be caught up in the drama. It's like if I look at what's going on in, for example, Telegram is a prime example of lots of different channels there. Lots of interesting stuff, yes, but people get very, very caught up in the negativity, in the drama, in focusing on that. And when we do our spiritual work, it takes our focus off all of that. And, and you know, if you think of Ling McTaggart, who, who's done the huge body of work called the intention uh, experiment and the intention effect, is that what we put our focus on, we create. So if people ask themselves, how much of the day am I thinking about problems, chaos, fear, in anxiety? And how much of the day am I cultivating what in Qigong we call a calm, relaxed, natural state like david talked about before our natural state is actually to be in joy in peace but we have lost our natural state that is how far humanity has come down in involution we, we and and now it's time to turn things around i love that you mentioned that because my question was going to be around the how meaning you said it took a lot of work but it was really worth it and i'm like okay if someone's listening to this and they feel inspired and they want to 
um, do this personal discovery and be more in the space of love and peace and joy, how do they actually do that? So one of the things would be stop feeding yourself or stop consuming negative stuff while still being aware of what's going on in the world. It's a fine balance, is it not? It is. one, and, and it comes back to what David talked about with this reaction, is that we have to constantly be aware of how we're responding to whatever is happening either internally, which is our thoughts and feelings, or externally, which is the events around us. So we have to start to develop what is called a witness or observer consciousness. That is one of the first steps. So rather than being totally wrapped up in the in the response and the, and the negative thinking and the negative feelings, we start to develop this little person on, I like to call it a little person on my shoulder who's actually watching me having the thoughts, watching me having the feelings. And so keeping a bit of a distance from that. And then we have to have tools and strategies to actually transform that emotional energy, which can easily be done. Uh, well, I say easily. I mean, there are specific tools and strategies that one can learn. And if one applies, you know, it actually gets easier and easier to do that. And then in, in the body of teachings that I've been studying as well, we talk a lot about patterns of consciousness and how humans have these deeply embedded, very complex unconscious patterns of consciousness that are driving all our thoughts and feelings and behaviors. For example, uh, one of the 10 fundamental patterns is greed. Another one is negative um, negativity and pessimism. Another one is unfounded suspicion. Uh, another one is, oh, I can't think I've gone blank. I should know them off by heart. But Every time we have a response, either an emotional response or a thought response, we have we we cross check against these patterns and go, am I in a bit of unfounded suspicion? And I'll give you, if I've got time, I'll give you this really quick example of of a, a fantastic, um, embarrassing actually example of unfounded suspicion. And it was while I was working on this program and and I was I was preparing the first webinar, which is about all the joining the dots of physical plane reality and, you know, all the corruption and the chaos that's going on and how it's all connected. And it was a Saturday morning and I hear this helicopter flying over over the house, which is quite unusual. I'm on tw 10, uh, 12 acres here. And first of all, I could hear it hovering over to the left and then it flew really close over the roof, over to the right. And in my mind, where, where did my mind go? It went, oh, my God, I'm I'm doing this program, which is you know, against the you know mainstream narrative. They're coming to get me. I mean, you know, how ridiculous is that? And my body went into stress and fear and all the thoughts and the emotions. And I was, you know, really lost my calm, relaxed, natural state there. And eventually I was like, okay, well, do, do I go out there or not? Because it was still hovering. And then it landed just uh, beyond the, the hedge, still on the on the property. And I, I, I sort of shaking, I went out to see, you know, who is it? What is it? I was expecting, you know, little black men in black suits to come out, you know, and I walked over towards the, the helicopter and then I saw the words rescue on the side and it was just a rescue helicopter. And the guys got out and they said, oh, yeah, we're rescuing somebody in the, in the bush next door. And immediately I knew I'd been totally caught up in A, unfounded suspicion and B, negativity and pessimism. So whenever we have an emotional response or negative thoughts cross-check what pattern am I stuck in nice nice all right um David I'm going to go to you I just love to invite you to chime in on whatever's on top of your mind at the moment and then I'm going to ask you something else after um well in uh let's see we have responsibility uh we have re see man 
man, mankind, is basically midway between the higher spiritual uh, parts of ourself and the lower kingdoms, which is the mineral kingdom, the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom. So we are stewards of this planet, and we have a responsibility to take care of it because we have we have the intelligence factor. We are the ones doing the mining. We are the ones doing the uh, the mining of the fish in the ocean, the the, the uh, taking of all the uh, different. Uh, uh, plants and turning them into uh, money, turning them into food, to, uh, you know, over harvesting. I mean, it, it goes on and on. And it's just simply, we, we have to stop doing this. or We have to take a major step back and see what are we doing with ourselves. Uh, Fridjof Capra, a uh, physicist from the 1980s, uh, he used to work for the federal government, Star Wars weapons, etc. And he talked about the, uh, the idea of um, uh, systems thinking, that we have to we, we can't create the same, we can't use the same mind thinking. I mean, Einstein said a similar thing too. We can't use the same thinking to figure out our problems with what created the problem. So we have to go into a different understanding about who and what we are. We have to understand our interrelationship with each other as human beings. We naturally communicate with each other or we don't communicate with each other because we block it. And, uh, oh, I'm going to cover myself up like so, you know, I'm going to cover my solar plexus because I don't want to hear the pain that you're going to give me, or I don't want to share my pain with you. Um, th th there's all sorts of things that we do. And um, the interconnectedness with the environment is critical because we are part of the environment as much as it's part of us. We have trace elements of the different minerals in our system and the plant kingdom. We ingest, we ingest this for our food. Uh, so why do we abuse it? Why do we why do we put pollutants and chemicals in it? Uh, I, you know, on top of that, you know, in, in what Kim was saying there with the type of uh, the uh, the foods that are harmful to our bodies, and so we, we have to ask these questions: and why are we doing this? And why do we continue to do it when we know we have a better choice? I'm not going to go over what Kim just said, you know, a little bit, a bit ago, but it's just simply we have to wake up, and our consciousness has to wake up, and we have to become responsible for this planet, for ourselves, for solving the problems. And there's there's hardly any problem on this planet we cannot solve if we have cooperation and goodwill among people to do that. There just has to be, you know, get, get out of the way, forget your, forget your power structure, forget your wealth, get into the principle of sharing. Um, we don't need to be warring anymore. We need to be bringing neighbors together in cooperation and understanding diplomacy is where it's at. You know, like negotiation, let's make it happen. And it's like, it's so obvious what needs to be because the majority of humanity wants to do this, not the power structure, the 1% or whatever percent it is, you know, that that's what we are, uh, that's what we're truly fighting. And that's what they're fighting to keep in power. They want to keep that power. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very, it's very curious also that a congressman or a senator or a, a person in a parliament or whatever, these are very responsible people making very irresponsible decisions. And they don't, they don't, they don't care who lives outside in the poor areas. They don't care about the homelessness. They don't care about the abuse of the environment of this, uh, of this uh, $100 million they just allocated for making another fighter jet or another tank or something. You see, so on that note, David, what do you suggest? If people that are listening, are you like rising up, coming together, changing the way we live, any of the above? Uh, I would say, yeah, a combination of those. But we, we need to start, uh, well, as, as, as trite as it sounds, we need to start truth telling as, as to who we are. 
and why we're here. And it's like uh, we have a right to we have a right to survive and to live, just like the environment, the, the, the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom, et cetera. They all have a right to exist here. And it's like that the power structure doesn't want to give you that right. Or they want to say, we don't want you to ask that question because we're in control of the resources. You see, this is this is something that's got to completely shift and change. There has to be a sharing of the wealth. I mean, this is this is radical consciousness what I'm putting out right here. But it's just simply it's an understanding. Um, it's just it's an understanding of uh, who we are. I know he's getting so fired up. He keeps putting his hands on his desk. That's what that that's is. right. That's right. That's <laughs> well. It's it's understanding who we are spiritually as beings. And even if we don't even use this, the word spirit, we can say who am I as a human being? Who is you, who are you as a human being? And get in touch with who what that is. And that is what we need to be uh, understanding. And then the spiritual part will come because people will be naturally drawn toward it as they discover who they are. It's a natural process in who we are. It'll bring us together. I'm going to go to my questions that I ask my guests um, as we proceed. But one thing I'd love to go just go to you quickly on, Kim. What do you wish the Kiwis knew? What do you wish that the New Zealanders here in New Zealand and and expats overseas, what do you wish that we actually knew, like whether that be a, another truth or or any sort of other information before I go to ask David, it's coming up. I'm going to ask you how you upped your brave in the past year. Kim, what do you wish we knew? Only New Zealanders or anybody? Okay, let's go for everybody. <laughs> All of you. I wish that people, A, saw the bigger picture of what is going on on a physical plane reality and, and, and those who haven't woken up yet to the craziness, you know, that has been going on and the fact that there's a lot of corruption going on uh, in the world. And secondly, that they understood this, that there's actually a bigger picture to what is going on. And once you understand this bigger picture, which is, you know, the hidden history of humanity um, and, and the and the transition of, you know, the, the transition of, and evolution of consciousness, it helps to set everything in context and make sense of everything. And it takes away a lot of the fear. Mm. You know, we're not stuck in the drama and the fear anymore. And we have this bigger viewpoint like taking the blinkers off like a horse you know when they have those blinkers on you take them off and you see a wider view and isn't that so much nicer to to see a wider view than just you know like the poor old horse trotting along with you know not seeing anything except what's in front of it and how can we best support people so people who some people do have the blinkers off and they're getting a little bit impatient for their loved ones to to do the same how can we support those people that are a little bit more slowly slow to wake up to what's going on in the world actually that's an interesting question because one of the best things we can do is to not try and change people's minds even though we might want to and instead to a work on ourselves to cultivate more love and respect within ourselves. For example, whenever I see somebody with a mask on, it, it does trigger me. And then, you know, and I want to say, you know, things and t- take off your mask and whatever. And it's like, no, Kim, shut your mouth and and just send love to that person and have respect and w- what we call gong jing, which is respect and humility. So the best thing actually that we can ever do when somebody's um, in trouble is to just love them uh, and love them uh, in, in a truly compassionate way and not judge, we, we, you know, to stop the judgment and the opinions, which is all part of the negativity and pessimism and, and the lower self. Well, thank you. That is a very timely reminder for everybody, including myself. 
Um, David, I'd love to ask you, what is one thing that you have done, achieved, or navigated through in the past year where you truly upped your brave? Well, I um, I had a health crisis last year, so I uh, got through it. Uh, basically, I got through it because my, well, I've I purified myself. Let's just put it that way. I've done this for 40 years, 40 plus years. And I had the confidence in myself to know I would get through it. And it's only a temporary, a temporary setback as uh, traumatic or dramatic as it was, um, like a broken leg, for example, it was very painful. When I broke it, I fell off my bike and uh, broke my leg. And it took, uh, well, the first, uh, let's just say the six weeks were very, very painful. And so, but I, I knew this was only a temporary trend, a temporary transition. Yeah, I could say that. And now I'm walking completely with absolutely no pain whatsoever. And it's just simply, it's it's being in the moment and recognizing that my presence, that I uh, I honor that presence of myself, and I can see it in other people, and I help them understand that too through my writings and through my teachings and presentations, etc. So, I it's just simply. I don't know, just honoring that's that part of myself that I've discovered for myself. I mean, unfortunately, most people have not gotten to this point. Um, so I um, I encourage everybody to seek out who you are, you know, just like in the Alice in Wonderland, the Alice comes across the uh, caterpillar and the caterpillar says over and over several times in the story says, who are you? And she's lost in a dream. And we are in a dream right now in humanity. And it's just, uh, and incidentally, uh, Frank Baum, who was the, uh, uh, was it Frank Baum? Uh, well, the author of Alice in Wonderland, I, I think it's Frank Baum. But anyhow, he was a theosophist. And theos- Lewis Carroll. Oh, Lewis Carroll. Thank you. Yeah, Lewis Carroll was a, a theosophist. And theosophy is basically the closest uh, understanding or philosophy, which blends science and philosophy and um, spiritual understanding together. And um, it's basically a, a fabulous way of connecting with your true self. Uh, there's a lot more that can be said with that. But it's the idea of, you know, get out of the Alice in Wonderland consciousness and discover who you are so you can think clearly and not just think clearly, but do do service work and help other people and uh, open your heart and love people and give and be cooperative be inclusive you know we we would we would break down so many barriers by uh, by doing this and uh, it's just it's a natural inclination of who we are and um it's just we have to be taught that and we have to we have to guide others in the same way we do and often it does take some sort of setback or heartbreak or break of a leg or whatever to yep. remind people to ask the question who am i and um, and really question it, how they want to show up and make those changes. Kim, your question is the bucket list question. Um, what is what is one thing on your bucket list that you would love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that possibly the Up Your Brave Reality Check Radio community can help you with? Well, I feel that, and, and I especially have felt this over the last few years, and, and it's sort of a mixture of what's been going on in the world over the last three years, plus me going through menopause and going over 60. And I've had quite a few changes go on as a result of that. And I really feel like I've come to a point in my life where most of it, you know, sadly, is behind me now. And some of it is still in front of me. And the only thing that is important to me is to help humanity progress in a a positive way 
for the betterment of humanity. Mm-hmm. And that is why we we created this bigger picture series. And I would just love more people to 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 understand this information uh, because it, it's just doing its bit like we all are to help move humanity forward in a positive direction. So if people want to talk about it, share about it, join it, then, then uh, you know, if your tribe would like to help do that, then we would both be very, me and David, and everybody would be very happy. Well, let us know how, because my next question, what's coming up for you? How can people contact you and learn more? Well, personally, what's coming up for me, I, I, I've just been so engrossed in this for the past seven, eight months. I haven't got my next plan uh, out there. Uh, and also we're coming into winter here and I like to live and move with the seasons. And so it's a time to go inwards. Um, but if people do want to find out about this particular program, the, the best way actually is to go from my main website. I call it my umbrella website because we're having a few trouble with some of the links of the Ageless Wisdom website. But I will make sure that the link is correct from my website, which is artofhealth.co.nz. And then people can get to different places from there and they can get to the bigger picture program if they go to the events. Page. Amazing. What about you, David? What's coming up for you? How can we contact you? Um, I am. Uh, I've written three books, and uh, basically, they're uh, interestingly enough. My three books are autobiographical, and uh, I um, my first book was called The Soul Source, which basically talks about how to create a uh, what do you call it, a spiritual practice, which is an ancient teaching of meditation, spiritual study, and service. And another one I wrote on is a uh, is on something called the 10 seed groups. Uh, it's a very, it's it's way beyond the uh, conversation we have here, but it's basically the, the idea that there's a kernel of spirituality already existing in all civilization right now on a secular level. And um, that's another story. And I also wrote a glossary, which is a teaching device for myself. But anyhow, my next project is finishing uh, or continuing a book I'm writing on uh, spiritual integration. Uh, integration. I'm integrating with my my higher self, the soul, and I'm writing about that exact process about how to do that. And then I'll be then I'll be doing teaching and public presentations on this. And um, um, what was the rest, last part of your question? My last part of my question is how can they contact you to learn more? Oh yes, yes. Uh, my my three books are available through my website called sacredteachings.us. That's all one word together sacredteachings.us. And um, there's, uh, I have a, it's, the website has a blog to it. And there's also my three books are available there. Amazing. Okay. We will, we'll be sharing those links. Um, so you guys can check those out. I'll also share them on my Facebook page, which is Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler Welsh on Facebook. Um, and then you can also look on the Reality Check Radio as well. Hey, before we wrap things up, super short, let me know, is there anything else that you want to add before we say farewell? I can't think of anything. Take so the- much to say. The truth is we could dive into many of these topics, but thank you so much, you guys, uh, for joining us today. We've covered quite a range of things and hoping to spark some thoughts. David, anything else from you? Uh, yes. Whoever's listening to this, uh, you are part of the human family, one of the 8 billion souls out there. Take the leap and take the courage and go within. Search out and learn how to meditate and connect with your natural self. Oh, I love that. We're going to leave it at that. Thank you so much, Kim Knight, David Hopper. Thank you for joining us today on the Esoteric Reasons for Humanity's Crisis. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you for the opportunity. Yep. 
You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Thank you to Kim Knight and David Hopper. We are looking forward to hearing your thoughts on that interview, which of of course is a bit different from some of the interviews we've done, but I love how we on the Up Your Brave show, we are courageous enough to look at all the topics and all sides of the story. So in that interview, Kim and David talked about energies and forces. They talked about um, big food, big pharma, big tech. In evolution and involution and the hidden history of humanity are just some of the things they they touched on. Um, Of course, you can get in touch with Kim at artofhealth.co.nz. They've got tons of videos and other ways that they can help and empower you as well. So definitely get in touch. It is easy. It is easy to get riled up and to react instead of responding in an empowered way. So I just, you know, encourage everybody, including myself, (laughs) to be aware of how we come across. I know, you know, my mom said the other day to one of our mutual friends, well, I I don't, I know, I, I haven't heard all of Natalie's views. You know, she can be a bit snippy. And I said to my friend, yeah, that she's right. I actually can be a bit snippy. Um, so if you also can be a bit snippy, maybe maybe it's a great idea to just remember that that kindness matters. Okay, so I'm excited to share with you now a little bit of a sneak peek for next week where we're diving into holistic health. If you've got questions, concerns um, about your health, this will be a great one to tune into, or you can write to us in advance because I can specifically ask questions of some of my guests. Um, I've already spoken to Dina. She's talking about breathing. This is Brina, uh, Z- Dina Siniza, who's talking about breathing for better health. And Dina is a mother of eight. She's a Buteco practitioner. And here's a little clip to share with you when she's talking about why correct breathing is so important. But in the episode, I go on to ask her, you know, how does incorrect breathing present? Like, what does it look like? And she lists a, quite a long list, you know, sighing, big breaths, open mouth, upper chest, coughing, breath holding, sniff, sniffing, throat clearing, lots of things that we wouldn't really associate with breathing issues that obviously can be corrected. That's the good news. So here she is. Here's a little clip from Dina on breathing. Let's talk a little bit about the breathing. I just want to open things up with why is it so important to breathe correctly and what does correct breathing look like? (laughs) Well, um, breathing is something that we do every day, all the time. And if we and a lot of people think that just because I, I'm still breathing, I haven't stopped breathing, that I'm doing it correctly. Unfortunately, um, over time, whether it's because of stress or illnesses or um, toxins in our body, our our breathing adjusts, our, our brain makes our breathing adjust to the kind of work our body needs to do in terms of recovering and detoxifying and things like that. And if it's either intense or prolonged, what it, what, what it can do is make, a, it can peg our breathing habit to this, this wrong kind of breathing. So we, in other words, we develop poor breathing habits along the way. And this is now our new normal. We're still breathing, but we're not breathing correctly. We've acquired habits. And, and that can be over time, we can acquire multiple poor breathing habits. And the farther we are from the right way, of breathing, the the farther we are from health as well, because there will be an effect on your metabolism and your um, uh, blood chemistry and things like that. And and there will be a lot of consequences in terms of your health over time. It's something that's easy to miss because it doesn't 
it doesn't show immediately. So if I acquire poor breathing habit now, I won't get sick immediately. It'll be over time, five years, 10 years. By the time I'm feeling a symptom, then um, that means I've had it for a long time and it's gotten worse. Yeah. And I imagine people often would attribute whatever the, the illness is to something totally different when actually when you peel back the onion at the root of it is bad breathing. Yes, yes. And well, I'd say bad breathing would be one of the, it could be the, the initial cause. And then there would be other factors coming through um, that will make it worse and worse. Now, sometimes, um, I mean, there are times for sure that it's not the initial cause. Maybe you have something else, a different chronic illness, but breathing will always be, what I'd say is breathing will always be a piece of the puzzle. So if your health were a puzzle, you need to complete the puzzle to get into good health. You might need, need different things, like you might need um, a, a naturopath to help you with your you know, supplements and nutrition and things like that. You might need some osteopathic or chiropractic work to help your system, your frame get better. Definitely, I would say, breathing would be another piece in that puzzle, especially if you have chronic illness. Now, the question is, how big a puzzle is this? Because, I mean, a piece is this, because this, this puzzle that you're completing has pieces that are not, you know how puzzles are usually the same sized pieces? Yeah. But this puzzle of your health, they will have pieces that are differing in sizes, because the more influence this particular area has on on the outcome, the bigger the piece. Sometimes the breathing piece is bigger because meaning that your condition is, a lot of it is based on the breathing. Sometimes it's a small piece, but still a piece, meaning if you don't address breathing, you will still have that small piece missing and you will. Um, it will take longer for you to get uh, to better health if you have that miss, missing piece, however small. Okay, so let's take a look at our breathing. Um, I imagine many listeners will be thinking, well, how do I know if my breathing is correct or not? I mean, the only types I know about is mouth breathing, and I've got two of those in my family, and then <laughs> chest breathing, which is probably what I do. Can yeah. you explain or how do we know? Is there anything we can do sitting in our car or at home, whatever, wherever we're listening to understand if we're actually breathing correctly or not? Um, a lot of times you you'll be the last to know. Usually it's other people who will mm -hmm. notice things. Um, and But also, it, these are things are quite subtle. I'll, I'll tell you, for example, in my case, I got into Boteco because I was very sick and I, I sought second opinion. I went to this GP. Very lucky that this GP was onto it. He knew, you know, all about breathing and hyperventilation. He said I was high, sighing 15 times in the 15 minutes I was with him. And I didn't know. I wasn't aware. So um, it could be that we're doing the wrong things, but we don't even know because it's become a habit. So one thing is, yes, mouth breathing. But a lot of people don't even realize they're mouth breathing. They tell me, Dina, I'm not mouth breathing. But they take big breaths when they're talking. Or maybe they, um, when they start moving around or when they're concentrating, the mouth pops open. Or when they're asleep, the mouth pops open and they feel dryness in the throat when they wake up. They feel uh, dryness in the throat. They've got bad breath. Um, those are indications that you've had your mouth open. And of course, um, dribble, then you know. Um, upper chest breathing, yes. But again, you won't know unless somebody told you and not everyone really 
realizes what it looks like. Um, any interruptions, uh, large breaths, big breaths, um, that is poor breathing. Any interruptions in your in, in a regular breathing pattern, meaning um, coughing, frequent coughing, uh, frequent sighing. What about um, breath holding, holding your breath? Breath holding, yes, breath holding. Um, uh, throat clearing, sniffing. If these are frequent, yawning. I was yawning so much um, <laughs> early in the morning when you're not supposed to be tired. I was... Yeah, bringing the kids to school and in the car, I would be yawning the whole way to school. Um, but yes, the, these are some things that can give you an indication that there is something going on in, in your breathing, some dysfunction going on. Okay, that is super helpful. And I imagine some people would be sitting there going, oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> you know, yesterday I was sitting in the car with somebody, uh, I won't say who, and I had brought them something to eat and uh -huh. they were eating. And so... And, you know, this is a mouth breather. And when a okay. mouth breather is eating, they obviously can't, you know, and it's so noisy. It's just the breathing yeah. that they're trying to do in between the eating. So that's definitely one. Mm. one and one of the dangers there, which was happening to me, I, I don't think I was, a, um, yeah, I'm sure I would be mouth breathing then, but not, not someone who mouth breathes a lot. At rest, I was mouth breathing. But you know what was happening to me was I choked a lot on my saliva or when eating, um, watermelon, any juicy fruit. Okay. Because then your 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 you cannot your body is not able to time swallowing and breathing. And you know these are two di different tubes where the air comes in and where the food goes in. And if you're not able to time those two swallowing and breathing, it can lead to choking. And so usually, I mean th there are hyperventilators who um experience a lot of choking. Okay, well, that these are all good to know. So I'm going to call those signs of incorrect breathing. How mm -hmm. can you describe to us what does, I guess, correct or efficient breathing? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? You don't see a thing. <laughs> so it's like, um, yeah, it's very chill, very relaxed, no movement. Hardly any movement, none on the shoulders, no movement on the upper chest, maybe barely visible movement in the abdomen. I Because I thought correct breathing would be like your tummy going in and out quite obviously. So that's not right. right. No, not even. So when you're breathing correctly, which means when I say correctly, it's the right amount, the volume. So it's a very, it's a, it's a small volume and the rhythm would be uh, a good rhythm how many breaths how many breaths per um sorry breathing rate is what i meant breathing rate how many breaths per minute um so yes it's very chill very relaxed you look at this person and you go oh she's just relaxed you don't hear the person breathing because sometimes you can sit beside someone and you could hear them breathing um so yeah it, it's hard um it's really hard to visualized because it's not it's not interesting you don't see anything you're not supposed to i'm so excited for you to listen to that episode next week where we're looking at holistic health we also have shelly gowith on our show next week she's talking about the truth about toxins and proactive wellness and we're going to be talking to rachel shields as well from the pha which is the people's health alliance 
So that'll definitely be um, an, an episode to tune into. Now, and one episode, we're just going to go to a quick flashback in a minute. Um, but another episode I'd love to recommend to you to definitely look up in our replays is the one talking about expressing your authentic self, where I talked to Gemma Celeste. She's got some great tips as well. If there's anyone out there feeling like, I want to be more confident, I want to express myself, I'm not sure how, you can go and listen to that replay as well. Well, we had quite the stir from last week's show where we spoke with Elizabeth on what they're actually teaching your kids in sex ed class. And if you missed that, um, we're not going to, it is it is listener discretion advised. We're just going to share a bit of a clip with you now. This is This section is a pretty okay section, but you'll get the gist. Um, and if you want to go and listen to the, the rest of it, you can do that as well on the replay page, realitycheck.radio slash replay. So this is Elizabeth um, sharing some insight. And here we go. This is a flashback for you. In New Zealand, 12-year-olds can get puberty blockers or possibly an abortion without their parents knowing. Is this true? This is absolutely true. Yeah. So really frightening. But a number of years ago, um, there was a mother that came out and it made the news. This poor woman was actually going to court because she was so horrified. And unfortunately, the judge didn't didn't give her the credence that she deserved. But she was so horrified. Her child at 15 or 16 years of age was taken by the school counsellor. And this is all legal uh, because these law changes have slipped in, um, you know, in the quiet of night that we don't know about. Her child, her daughter was taken to have an abortion during school time by the school counsellor, the parents never knew until the child was beside herself wits in. That may have been suicidal, I'm not sure. Um, but but they didn't find out until her child was in a really bad mental health way. Um, and the parents weren't able to offer support for the child at any point because they weren't notified. The school is legally not obliged to notify the parents. And the same thing goes also now for the whole puberty blockers and the transitioning. So at the moment, your child can be affirmed in the school. They can go to the school counsellor and they are affirming them. And that is a part of what is expected from them. This is now their job. Mm -hmm. So if I turned up and I was 12 and I said to my school counsellor, I mean, I was a tomboy at 12. Let's be honest, I was a real tomboy. And if I turned up and said, hey, I feel like a tomboy, they'd say, you know, what do you want your pronouns to be? And I'd be like, oh, him, he, fine. So you can change your name at school. I say, well, I want to be known as Samuel, Samuel Jackson. You can change everything. You can change your pronouns, your name, but then it progresses from there. Then it progresses to, hey, maybe you'd like to consider transitioning. Maybe you'd like to consider puberty blockers. So all of that stuff now can be done through the school counsellor during school time. Again, no parental notification. They can take your your child down the road to transition them without your knowledge. And I'm not sure if it goes as far as taking your child to a clinic for the full-on surgery, um, but that potentially is where it's at. So could you imagine your child one day as a girl wearing dresses because they're hiding, hiding what they're doing at school from you because this is how it works? At school, you have a secret life, and I kid you not, that is in the in the actual school inclusivity agenda. Um, so they're a secret life at school. They're one thing at home. They're another. They come home one day, and they've had a full double mastectomy. They can also have, yep, private part reconstruction. So they can have penises made with pumps and um, and and vaginal reconstruction if they're a boy. So there's a whole lot of 
really graphic things that are happening, I presume they get a hysterectomy with that. I mean, we're talking about the long-term effects of your child here. These are these are things you can't reverse. Once you've chopped your bits off, you've affected your fertility for life. So even going into the puberty blockers. So I've got a bit of information about the puberty blockers, if I can find it here. But puberty blockers in themselves are absolutely frightening. Um, puberty blockers, you know, they're harmful effects. They're not being talked about. We've got, you know, just just for, for a start, they stunt the height. Uh, they can cause osteoporosis. They erode your fertility. They will tell you they're reversible. They are not reversible. Um, Cross-sex hormones are completely irreversible. Side effects, severe joint pain. There's even known to be children that have ended up at, at young young ages over in the States where they've been on um, the hormones and they've actually developed osteoarthritis uh, and they've ended up in wheelchairs. Fit, healthy kids in wheelchairs at a young age. Uh, so compromised immune systems. I don't know what that potentially looks like, but I've had a compromised immune system in the past. And, um, yeah, it was pretty debilitating and a lot of days in bed for me and very, very ill. Uh, arthritis, as I mentioned before, it affects the pituitary gland, does not allow the estrogen to restart once you come off the puberty blockers. So once you've really stunted your um, your development, you can't just come off them and it, and it starts. You can actually basically completely arrest your ability to go through puberty. So you may remain the 12-year-old boy for the rest of your life uh, or, or the little kid for the rest of your life because you're not going to develop all those things potentially, and that, that is frightening. And then, if, of course, on the other side, you can go into the synthetic uh, hormones. Um, once you're on the synthetic hormones, they themselves are... Um, not considered to be particularly safe long-term. Um, I know I, I read a book about a man who transitioned uh, in his 40s, I believe it was. Now, this man actually had a premature life, so he the stress of all the hormones on his body meant that he died. Now, we talk about these things as being modern, but actually this guy was taking the um, cross-hormone therapy in the 70s. Uh, it was a sort of a bit of an underground movement amongst uh, the transvestites back then, um, and he, he'd had the surgery uh, and he called himself a eunuch, a eunuch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can't have they can't have the sexual pleasure that full body people can have. Um, a, a blow up penis with a pump is not going to give you the enjoyment that you would have otherwise, um, which is absolutely heartbreaking. And, and yeah, these are just it's it's really concerning. I mean, they talk about things like shriveled up penises and. And I, I wonder about, I haven't been able to find it. It's very difficult to find some of the information here. But I'm wondering about what happens to the internal sexual organs of a female if they're on this. And does that shrivel up, uh, you know, your fallopian tubes and, and all your sexual organs so that you'll never be able to have children? And that is the long-term effect mm. here. Yeah. The sterilization, the lack of ability to have a pleasing sexual intimate relationship in the future are some of the effects and and this whole thing is is absolutely frightening. I think a lot of people will be listening and be quite blown away, freaked out a little bit by that because when it comes under the guise of inclusion and it comes under the guise of um, being who you are. There you go. Now we're all going to be super conscious of how we breathe <laughs> and more on that next week when we dive into holistic health. 
And everybody, that brings me to the end of our show this week where we were talking about voicing your truth. As always, I aim to leave you feeling inspired and empowered uh, with maybe a few a few new concepts and ideally a few practical tips or exercises that you can implement into your own life, whatever that may be. So whatever you take away from today, I hope you use it in an, an empowered way. As always, we are open to your suggestions on uh, interview topics as well as interview guests. You can get in touch with me. You can text in to 057 or you can reach out to me directly. Um, and I'm on Instagram, Up Your Brave. I also have a free Facebook group. You're welcome to join. It's called Up Your Brave. Um, amplify your impact, business, and wellness. That's free. And of course, on my website, like I mentioned, I've got this new page that I've created, which is basically if you want help to up your brave, I'm going to put some contact details and a little bit of info of handpicked specific people that I recommend over the last 15 plus years of working with incredible people here in New Zealand um, and people that I've come across that can definitely help you, whatever upping your brave means to you in whatever area of your life is maybe a little bit out of alignment at the moment. And we've all got one or two, of course. So whether it be wellness or fitness or parenting or business or your life in general, there's definitely someone who can support and empower you. So you can check out my recommendations up yourbrave.com slash recommended. Um, it's been amazing to have hang out with you another week. Of course, this is another month. We are early in June if you're listening to this live. And just have a think. How do you want June to go for you? Um, it doesn't have to be same old, same old. And of course, if you expect doom and gloom, you possibly might get that served up. So I like to personally, I like to every night lie in bed and I think what went well. And I bring three things to my mind. What went well that day? And I see it again, like a movie in my mind. And then I'll also visualize, I'm such a cheese ball. But anyway, I also visualize how I want the world to be, not just my life the world to be and what does it look like and what, how you know the people are happy and they're out for me there there's always waterfalls and people having a picnic on the bank of of this lake kind of thing that pond that's always my vision um but what does it look like for eating beautiful healthy food of course having like picnics and smiling and playing on the swings and music and that type of thing but what does what does june bring for you you um you are the ceo of your own life and i send you off have an amazing week and remember to up your brave. You've been listening to Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on RCR Reality Check Radio.